Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. As they shared about the, the importance and the significance of their relationship with God, I mean, I'm, and I'm thinking back to just how, how great thou art, that we share that, we sing that good news because for many of us, we value that relationship with God. And it, it's, it's a great day to talk about relationships with God and each other as we approach Valentine's, which is a big relationship day. Uh, when Janet Cutmore received a, a bouquet of flowers from her husband on Valentine's Day, she was kind of confused by the card that came with it because it simply had the word no on it, N-O. So she called her husband and asked him about it, and he said, well, when the florist asked if he had a message that he wanted to send with the flowers, he just said, no. <laughs> so guys, <laughs> think about what you say. Unfortunately, sometimes we're kind of black and white in these things. Uh, a guy came home from work and found a note from his wife on the refrigerator. It said, it's not working. I can't take it anymore. I've gone to stay at my mother's. So the husband opens the refrigerator door, sees that the light comes on, feels kind of cool, confused, says, seems fine to me. So think about it. Guys, be aware. <laughs> be careful. A, a, a relationship with God may not seem to be that important to, to our relationships with each other, but, but I want you to hear, I believe it's extremely important because our vertical relationship with God impacts our horizontal relationships with each other incredibly. The folks in our video talked about the value of their relationships with God and, and all the key elements of this Believe campaign uh, only help that, being here in worship together, experiencing this as a journey together, using the journal for your daily Bible readings and, and reading the book. Uh, and, and you may want to read the book at, before you even come on Sunday morning to kind of get a handle on what the topic is going to be for that day and for the week. And also the, what's happening in our small groups across the area. All of those are ways to grow our relationship with God. And these practices can also help for those of us who, who maybe are exploring how to have a relationship with God. And that really kind of, I want to lead that into our key question this morning of how do I have a relationship with God? And, and we have to first understand why we need this. Why is it a challenge? And, and some of us, we know this. Some of us, we've grown up with this. But for some of us, it may not be completely clear. Or it may just be kind of part of some background that we've experienced, background noise. You know, in our first week, we talked about our belief in the one true God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If you missed that, it's on, uh, it's on our site and on YouTube, uh, on, on Facebook and Right Now Media, so you can look it up. That he exists as three in one. It's his very nature as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to be in community with himself. And God created us the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, we are created in that same image, in that same way with that inherent need for community with God and with each other. And we see this lived out in Genesis chapter 2 as Adam and Eve talk and walk and, and, and share life together with God. This is how we are created to live. Not just one hour on Sunday, but every day throughout our day to walk and talk and experience the love of God. And, and that's how our lives work and work best when we're connected to him. But Adam and Eve, as soon as you get to Genesis chapter 3, they listen to the serpent. They choose their way over God's. In other words, they chose not to believe and trust God. God had given them some very specific commands about what they could and could not do for their protection. But they did not believe he was right. They did not think he knew what he was talking about based on what the serpent was telling them. And so they went their own way. And that broke the relationship they had with God. And we understand that. I mean, I think, I think we understand that kind of intuitively. Someone, uh, we tell someone to do something or we're in a committed relationship with someone and they don't do what we say. They, if they choose to go off in a whole different direction, we look at this as a failure of trust. And, 
and, and the relationship suffers. In fact, in many cases, it's completely broken. And at its most basic level, this is what sin is. We talk about it like it's doing bad. But at its most basic level, sin is our failure to trust God. To, to therefore have a break in our relationship with God. And because we're no longer connected to him or we don't trust him, we go off and we do our own thing, breaking his laws and commands. And when we break God's commands, it's really, therefore, kind of a symptom. It's not just I'm out doing something wrong. It's a symptom, a deeper symptom of this lack of trust that God, you say that you're God. You say that this is how to do things and how to live life. But I don't know that I trust that or I believe that or somebody else is doing differently and I like their way better. It's important for us to understand though, Christianity is never simply about morality. And the Bible recognizes that what began with Adam and Eve has continued as really like an infection of all humanity. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So not only have we disobeyed our, our creator, but our sins then break that relationship with our very source of life, the one who gives life, the one who gives us the breath that we breathe, the one who provides the resources we need. And therefore, in the midst of that, we begin to experience death both physical and spiritual. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And we gotta remember God is holy, God is just, God is love, God is righteous. Right now, as I'm reading through my Bible this year in the Life Journal reading plan, I'm in Leviticus, and I know that's, that for some of you, that's your favorite book in the whole Bible, right? But you know, sometimes we get so caught up in, in the, the, pic, the, the little details that we, we forget to see the big picture of God calling us to a lifestyle different from the world around us. God calling us to be holy as he is holy. Because we aren't supposed to be that way. He has a plan, he has an intention for how we are to live our lives. And when we choose differently, we're rejecting his plan his love. And that's not how we were created to live. Our sin separates us from God. And that leads eventually to physical death. But it leads to all kinds of other issues in life today and spiritual death even now. And we experience guilt and fear. We experience alienation, meaningless, broken relationships, despair, a lack of hope and and so much more. In other words, what I want you to hear and see is that sin's consequences aren't just for when I die. They aren't just that at the end of my days, it's a, it's a road, you know, choice between heaven and hell. That in fact, there are consequences now. When I don't trust Christ, when I don't follow God's ways, it impacts how my life goes now. And, and because of that, sin's consequences we're in death and we feel those things now. We're under God's judgment for sin and we cannot fix it ourselves. We need saving. The testimony of the Bible from beginning to end is that, that our creator really does love us. He cares about us, even, even with our sins, but he's faced with this huge problem. He cannot overlook sin. He cannot compromise his nature of being just, of being righteous, of being holy. He can't do both. And God saw this. He saw before the beginning of time that this would be an issue, that sin would be a part of our lives. And his plan was always, therefore, to send his son, the third person of the Trinity, Jesus the Christ. Romans 5 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while, while we were still sinners. Not when we had our act together, not when we started finally doing better because he understands that sin is so rampant and, and so, in, so in, ingrained in us that we can't choose the right thing consistently on our own. 
prophet Isaiah saw this 700 years earlier. He said, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You know, you, you may know this, but God had already created the, the Jewish sacrificial system back with Moses, where the blood, uh, which represented life, therefore of an animal, was sacrificed to, to take the judgment, to take the punishment of God that uh, comes. And it had to be repeated, though, over and over again, because we continued to sin, and the sacrifice was a one-time sacrifice. But in God's own timing, he was ready to offer a full, perfect, complete sacrifice for all the sins of all people of all time, not just for you and me who are followers of Christ today, not just for those of us who are considering Christ, not just for those who are in our community, but for all people around the world, including people who've never even heard of him. All of this he did. He took upon himself to receive for all people, for all time, our punishment on the cross. The Bible says in Corinthians, for our sake, God made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin. In other words, he had never sinned, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ became the means for our reconciliation and restoration with God. He became our substitute. He took our punishment. He took it upon himself. And in the process, we call that atonement of him taking on our punishment. It's a way I sometimes remember that word, at one meant. At one meant, atonement of God re restoring that relationship. Romans 3 says, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Pastor Ed Stetzer writes, the substitutionary atonement, that's what we're talking about, Jesus was the substitute for us, is at the heart of the gospel. This is where we see and understand the great love that God has for us, that the Son would allow the Father to place our sins on him and punish him in our place. Remove this, and you lose the depth of our sinfulness and the greatness of God's love for us. In other words, God's done all the work. He has provided us a solution this incredible gift that I couldn't earn, that I couldn't do by myself. But until we realize what God has done and receive his gift, we're stuck in this sinful state because that's not where we are created to be. We are created to be in relationship with God. And so not only does sin separate us from him, but, but it misleads us because we think somehow we can restore it, that I can be better, I can try harder, I can thank him for what he's done by by doing all of this on my own. And the Bible calls this pride. Trying to do it myself. Trying to figure it all out on my own. Maybe for even good intention sometimes. But not only is it not possible, but because of our sinful nature, it's also, in fact, the very evidence that our nature is still wrapped up in sin because we somehow believe we can do it ourselves. We have deceived ourselves to think, I can fix this. Okay, I recognize that something I've done is wrong. I can fix it. I can work harder. I can make up for it. But the problem is, if I've done something wrong to a friend, no matter how much I try to make up for it, until my friend comes along and says, I forgive you, there's no restoration. It doesn't matter how hard I try. See, we get this idea that somehow that God is just weighing the scales, and if I can do some more good, it'll tilt in my favor. God is, all I've got to do is do some good things, morality. And that's why people have this idea that Christianity is all about doing good. And that totally misses the, the basic point, that it is about a relationship with God, that we screwed up, that we messed up, that we sinned, and that only God can fix it. I can't fix it. I can try, I can work hard, and all I do is end up getting more frustrated because I can never do enough good. I can never wipe out what I did. It's always gonna be standing between me and God on my own. 
And if I think I can, then I am fooling myself. And I am even more in the grips of sin. We are blinded to the truth. And the Bible says that's exactly what Satan wants to do. 2 Corinthians 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. In other words, it's not just me being smarter or thinking it through, that there is a spiritual war at work against us, especially if, if we don't, haven't chosen to believe. And as long as I, I try to fix or restore the relationship myself, it's the very proof that st sin still holds sway over me. That my very efforts of trying harder are the proof that I am still locked up in this sin nature. It's only when I stop trying, when I say I can't fix it, when I say I can't be good enough, when I surrender and I throw myself at God's mercy, I say, God, I've tried everything I know and I'm going to finally turn to you because I can't fix it any other way. And he's, all he's thinking is, why did you wait so long? Why did you try so hard? Why did you do what I have already done for you? When I assume this right attitude, this right posture of humility, of, of brokenness, of un, being unable to fix it myself. It's that that opens the door for me then to receive God's saving work from my sin. You know, in, in the dictionary, the, the word save or salvation in its most generic sense is just being saved or delivered from some harm or loss. For Christians, we understand salvation to be God's means of saving us from sin and his judgment against it. When the Bible talks of people being saved, it shows people being forgiven of their sins. But it also talks about healing, finding peace in our souls, of experiencing deliverance from things that bind us. And so it's important to understand that this salvation is not just for some day. It's not just some future experience when I die. Salvation impacts how I and you, how we live today, now. Because sin's consequences don't only affect me at my death. They're affecting me now. They're screwing up my life today. They're, they're keeping me from believing the truth. They're keeping me from building the relationships. They're keeping me from telling doing the right things, loving my neighbors, all those kinds of things. So salvation affects our entire being, not just in the future for eternity, but also today. And, and, and what it does is it begins to transform my life today. The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, the, the picture of the fruit of the Spirit is not, I'm going to have all those things the moment I die when I reach heaven. The picture is that God wants to put those in me today where I can be more loving, where there can be peace in my soul, where I can experience joy even when things are falling apart around me, even when things are not going well, that I can be faithful, I can be kind and gentle, I can experience self-control. It's a picture that we can begin experiencing now and, and experience its fullness when we get to heaven. See, God's salvation, I didn't come up with this. I, I, I saw this somewhere else, and I don't know where I saw it, but this line that's in your notes, God's salvation is about more than getting you into heaven after you die. It's about getting heaven into you before you die. You know, some of you already know there's hell on earth. But what you may not know is, is there is also heaven on earth. And God wants that in us. It's getting the very nature and character of Jesus into you so that it can then be lived out through you. Because it's never just about me. It's growing God's love in you and me so that I can love God and love my neighbor. And the good news is that in spite of our sins, God does love us, and God does provide 
a way for salvation because he loves us and he wants us to become more and more like Jesus, living life to its fullest. We broke the relationship with him by, by failing to trust him, which we showed through our sins, but he wants to deliver us and restore us and save us, which is why we talk about this thing of God's grace, this unmerited favor of God, of offering what we do not deserve, of giving us goodness and mercy all the days of our lives, of helping us to have the abundant life, of experiencing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He offers us this salvation through Jesus Christ today that we can't earn and we don't deserve. It's grace. And that's why our, our key verse is so valuable for us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace, not by good works, not by trying harder, not by who you know, but by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one may boast. It is only by his grace that you and I have been provided a solution for our sins that, that separate us from God, that lead to death, eternal death, but also experiencing physical death in these bodies even now. God provided his son, Jesus Christ, to die our death, the death you and I deserved for sin. The death, the Bible says, is the punishment for that. Jesus took that upon himself and suffered that, and his resurrection is the proof of this. The problem that began with Adam and Eve and, and continues up today is that, is that we don't always believe that. We don't always trust that what God says is really going to happen. You know, I can say, I trust him for my eternity, but do I trust him for today? Do I trust him for how I can live my life today? Because if I don't trust him today, how can I trust him forever? Salvation is never just about tomorrow, but is also about today. And he offers us the means of restoration and salvation through Jesus Christ. And he tells us that we can be saved by, once, by, by believing, which the Bible also calls faith. Faith. By faith, I choose to believe that Jesus did die on the cross, that Jesus was the Son of God. He died on the cross, that his death fulfilled the punishment that was due me for my sins. And he gives me this life once I believe. He restores me to a relationship with God. I mean, it, the, the trouble for a lot of us is we know the words up here. I mean, I grew up in the church, for heaven's sakes. I, I heard stuff like that. But I still thought it was about working harder and doing better and not about a relationship. And, and that may be where you are today as well because just because, you know, just because I'm in a church doesn't make me a Christian any more than sleeping in a barn or in a garage makes me a car. You know? I mean, it's, it's not a guarantee. It's about our relationship, not about my works. Faith is believing, it's trusting to the point of action, something that can't be proved. I cannot prove all this to you. I can tell you that there are many witnesses to it, and there are lives that could one after another line up and tell you the difference that Jesus Christ has made in their lives. Those are witnesses, but you would be right to say that's not proof. And quite honestly, the proof will not come until eternity, until death. That's why faith is such a big deal. And quite honestly, why faith is so hard. It sounds good when we're here in church, but when you're struggling with an illness, when you get fired because of the idiocy of somebody else at your employment, when, when, when your neighbor or your, your family member sticks you in the back, you start to wonder, what's the whole point? There is no promise in here that God will take away all of our problems. That's why you and I need faith, that what we experience in this life is not the whole picture, not the whole answer. And God has a bigger plan, and we have to trust him.
to forgive our enemies, to give of our tithes and our offerings, to be in worship, to love our neighbor even when they're not lovable, to love members of our family that we don't like. Those aren't easy things. Those those are hard. And anybody who tells you Christianity is simple or easy is, is shooting you a line. This is the hardest thing you can do. I mean, how many people, how many of us want to love our enemy? I don't. But Jesus loved me while I was a sinner, while I was his enemy, while I was working against him, while I failed him. And if he can do that for me, he says, you have to do that for him. We have to trust, we have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that I couldn't do it myself. And now he freely, he offers me this gift which I can't earn, I can only receive. The Bible says, here's how we do that. If you, Romans 10, verse nine, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Notice that you have to believe in your heart. It's not just something I know up here. And again, that's that whole problem that so many in Christianity run into is we can say all the lines. But we don't believe them to the point of doing them when it's hard. Now, I want to suggest to you that's the only time it really matters is when it's hard. It has to be something that moves to our heart so that we believe it so much that we trust it and therefore live it. That's the point of calling Jesus Lord. He's not just our Savior, the one who helps us overcome our sins, but now he is the one who guides our life, whom we trust day in and day out. Christianity is not a a one-time transaction that I buy my fire insurance. It is a lifestyle of trusting the Lord in everything I do. And trusting him in my work life, trusting him in my romance life, trusting him in my relational life, trusting him in my school life, trusting him with my, in, in my relationships with my neighbors. So we commit to obeying him now as a demonstration of our obedience and gratitude for this gift. And, and we're able to, to do this through the power of his spirit who comes to live within us when we make this decision. It's no longer me that does it. It's Christ who does it in and through me by his spirit. As we receive God's gift of salvation through Christ, he graciously restores our relationship with him that we screwed up and we enter into eternal life which begins here and now. And we experience its fullness someday in heaven. And the fruit of the spirit, these virtues begin to grow in us as we trust Christ, as we obey, as we live that out, and we, though we won't experience all of these blessings until we meet Jesus face to face in heaven. That's where this key idea comes from that's in this, this week's stuff. It says, I believe a person comes into a right relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. In believing that what God says he has done through Jesus, he has in fact done. And even when I don't feel it, I choose to continue to believe it and act on it. Jesus is God's sole and total means for accomplishing his salvation. So we can't just say Jesus is a good man or he was a great teacher. If you look at what all that happened in here, it's not just about being nice people. It's about a transaction. It's about something that God did in Jesus Christ on the cross and through no one else. And therefore, to to dismiss Jesus or diminish who he is is to miss having faith in who God is calling us to be. The Bible says in Acts 4, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The Jews missed the the, the whole point of Jesus, and a lot of people do today. It's not something that's being held back from people. It's freely offered. In fact, that's part of the mission that you and I have as we live out that faith is to share it with the world. To share who Jesus is, 
who he himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So what does this mean? What difference does it make? I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, in a sense, it's, it changes everything. But here's just some quick thoughts on, as we look at this thing called salvation. At first is that we seek to please God, not appease him. In other words, I'm not trying to earn brownie points to get to heaven. I'm not trying to do better so God will say, look at him. He's so good. I think I'll just let him in. Instead, I want to please him because of all he did for me that I don't deserve, that I have never deserved. And I want to honor and please him and serve him the rest of my days. Galatians 2 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Gratitude ought to characterize how you and I do everything as a follower of Jesus Christ. That we offer back to God the time, talent, and treasure he's already given us as ways of expressing our love. Not, not to appease him, but to please him. Next, we walk in grace, not guilt. We're not called to be perfect. Humans were never created to be perfect. Nor were we created to live with guilt. And that's why Jesus' forgiveness is so important. It's why we need that grace to empower us to experience forgiveness and to keep us from trying to take it back again. You know, sometimes as Christians, we, we make that commitment, and then over months or years later as we go by, if we look at our lives, we kind of realize we're not living by grace so much anymore. We're, 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 we're working hard at trying to appease him again. But we walk always in grace. So everything God has is to be received, not earned. And finally, we offer grace, not gotcha, to others. 4,000 years ago, God told Abraham that he was blessed to be a blessing. In other words, he was receiving God's, God's grace, but not simply for himself, but to share it with others, to pass it on, to, including us. We are Abraham's spiritual heirs. We aren't saved for ourselves. We are saved for the sake of the world, that others may receive and experience God's love and his grace and salvation. If I think it's all about me, then I have made it back about me instead of about God and his desire. We have been forgiven so much that it would be the height of arrogance to go around condemning others for their sins, refusing to love or give grace and forgiveness to those around us. But they don't deserve it. Of course they don't deserve it. But I don't deserve it. And I can either get hung up on what's fair and, and not gonna come to pass, or I can live with Christ who forgave me while I was yet a sinner. In the great commandment, Jesus commands us to love God and to love each other. And we need to remember, God first loved us and offered us salvation while we were yet sinners. And others around us need that grace, need to know about that grace as much as I do and you. And that's why as I alluded to at the beginning of this message that, that working on our vertical relationship with God really does strengthen our horizontal relationship with each other because we don't just walk in grace, we offer grace to those around us. We offer the love of Christ. We offer his forgiveness. We offer his grace. And sometimes we offer it to people we've never offered it before, even those closest to us, because we've been hurt. And we kind of think, it's not, I don't need to do that. Or I don't want to do that. You know, maybe this Valentine's, the best Valentine gift you can give is the grace of God that he's first given to you. To give that grace to somebody else that needs it, just as you. We're saying, as we're saying these series, our beliefs 
have consequences. What you believe about your salvation, about grace, affects how you and I live our daily lives. So spending time in this journey, getting our beliefs right, can affect and transform our lives. So the readings in, in the, the big book, the, the daily Bible readings in the journal, the time in small groups and with the video and the, the discussions and, and these messages, they all, some of them overlap a lot, some of them don't overlap a whole lot, but they're all reinforcing each week some key belief that Christians for 2,000 years have found to be important in how we live in our lives and love our neighbors. And so our, our goal through all this is to keep working on getting stuff up here, down here, so that we live it. Next week we'll look at the Bible, and, and it's so fundamental to all this. But here's the thing this morning, as we've talked about this, and for many of you, salvation is something, a journey you're already on, but for some of you it's not. And I'm, my hope is that before you leave this room this morning, you make a decision to trust Christ. Doesn't mean you, you've got all your questions answered. But there is a God who loves you. And in fact, if you think you're going to ever get them all answered, that's just playing the game of thinking I can do it myself. There's a gift of grace you need to receive. And I'm going to, just a moment, I'm going to pray. And a part of that prayer is going to be an offer for you to pray back to God. A prayer you can pray in your head. You don't, don't, don't say it out loud. To welcome Christ into your life. And we, we talk about salvation, not just so we can live it, but so we can share it and experience it. And that's exactly where some of you are this morning. Our prayer team will be down here, and if there's more of this or questions, they'd love to talk with you. Uh, we're going to be offering baptisms and a membership class in just a couple of weeks, too. Um, and if you're a guest, uh, I'll be out here with some friends and would love to say hello to you this morning. But we want to call us to take this, that's not me, take this gift of salvation and let it loose in our lives. Let's pray. Gracious God, the truth of the matter is we all sin and fall short of your glory. Not one of us deserves all that you offer, but you are the same God. You are faithful to offer us your love and grace. And Father, we pray that we would receive that each day. We would act on it. We would believe it's there and allow it to live in and through us day by day. For some of us, Father, we've made that decision in the past, but it seems to kind of lapse from time to time. It seems like we don't remember it as well or we get caught up in trying harder again to appease you rather than please you. We, we ask your forgiveness of that, Father, and that you would help us to once again focus on your gift of grace and our response in faith. But for those of us who haven't made that decision, Father, hear our prayer. I, I come to you, Father, and confess that I have sinned. I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I can't fix it myself. Therefore, I, I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to come into my life, to become my Savior, but also my Lord, that I might experience a new relationship, a restored relationship with you, God, and an improving relationship with those around me. That I might welcome your Spirit in to transform my heart, to become more and more like Jesus, that I can love as I have been loved. I can live for you each day. I can, make, I can acknowledge you as my Savior, but also my Lord, that I choose to follow every day, that I choose to become more and more like every day so that when I meet you face to face, I will see you as you are because by your grace, 
I will have become like you. I ask that, I pray that, I seek that now in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy and live out your salvation. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.